All right. So you are all in the room for uh, SRV304S, how Trek 10 uses Datadog's distributed tracing and other tools to improve AWS Lambda projects. My name is Matt Williams, and this is, what's Chris, your name? <laughs> Chris Fuchs. Thank you, Matt. And I'll let you introduce yourself. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, everyone, I'm Chris. It's a nickname I've had since high school, so um, stick with it. And I have uh, been in operations and systems building for about 20 years and been with Trek 10 since about 2015. And uh, you can go to the next one there. Trek 10 is, you know, we are a born in the cloud, uh, managed service provider, and uh, serverless IoT focused management and consulting company. We have several competencies that we're very uh, proud of, and we are a relatively small team, but very engineering heavy with a focus on those niche areas. And um, yeah, we're about five years old and continue to grow. So cool. happy to be here today. Well, my name is Matt Williams. I'm an evangelist at Datadog. Now, how many of you know who Datadog is? Cool, that's probably because of the massive booths we have in Venetian and Aria. Uh, we were giving away a, a Nintendo Switch every 15 minutes in the Aria. Did anybody get one? No one got one? No, I think we had, we had someone oh, get one. Did you get one? That's Congrats. pretty good. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't have one. I'm very jealous. Um, you can reach me at uh, Technovangelist on all the socials, you know, all the things. And um, if you have any questions and you are too shy to ask me, uh, you know, ask us here, you can always send me an email, mattw at datadoghq.com or on Twitter, Technovangelist. I also help run a couple small events. Um, there's DevOps Days Boston. Uh, I, we've, I've, run, I've been in the organizing team for the last couple of years, and we're starting to work on uh, 2019. And um, we're starting to uh, work out the details for Serverless Days Boston. So if any of you are from the Boston area, we'd love for you to uh, join us at Serverless Days Boston. I believe it's March 12 or something like that. Um, okay, and I, as I say, I work for a company called Datadog. We're a SaaS-based monitoring and analytics firm, and we do infrastructure monitoring, so all your infrastructure metrics. We do application performance monitoring, and we do log aggregation, all in one beautiful package. We have this open source agent that you load up on each uh, host that you want to monitor, and we start collecting all of this data, and we are collecting trillions of data points every single day. Um, it used to be, I mean, I remember when I started four and a half years ago, we were very excited about the 12 million uh, uh, data point mark, but now we're in the many, many trillions of data points per day. So that's super exciting. Now I, now uh, there we go. Now I'm going to make an assumption. I'm going to assume that you already know what Lambda is. Otherwise, you wouldn't have come to this session. I'm going to assume that you have maybe not built a serverless application, but you know the gist of what to do. And uh, you know, there's lots of ways to build those applications. You can use step functions. You know, I talked about step functions on a stage just like this about a year ago at reInvent, well, last year. Um, and, uh, and there were you know, a lot of big, big crowd like here. Um, and I talked about step functions, and, and that was awesome. But you can also use you know, Kinesis or DynamoDB as kind of that traffic hop between all your lambdas. Lots of ways of building serverless applications. I am not going to do the demo of, you know, the classic demo of here's how to add a watermark using Lambda. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not even going to build a more complicated application. I'm not going to use step functions. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm assuming you already know that stuff. But let me test that assumption. So I've got a quick one question survey. I'm hoping that some of you will pop out your phone, go to this URL, it's tvl.st, uh, which is just a short form of Technovangelist, which is my, what I am everywhere. So tvl.st slash using Lambda. You'll see a sing simple one question survey and you can say yes or no if you're using uh, Lambda in production today. So I'll give you a few seconds to uh, do that. By the way, if you're curious, you know, uh, often we're talking about, uh, everybody at this conference is talking about using Lambda in, for your work. And uh, it's, it can do amazing things for all the projects that you've got going on at work. But you can also do some fun personal stuff, you know, at home or on the side. 
So this tvl.st is a, um, it's a, just a simple uh, lambda that, you know, when I, when I want to create a short URL, I call this one short lambda or one lambda function that generates an S3 document with some metadata. And, uh, and then every time you visit that URL, you're just hitting that uh, S3 document. So I'm using Lambda just for fun. It costs me about five bucks a month, mostly for Route 53. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. So I guess some of you have answered the one question. Hopefully it worked. Um, but, but once you've uh, got that, uh, your Lambda applications going, and you've, you know, you've probably done some, uh, a lot of debugging to get it working, just, just to get the function up there, up in the cloud, and, um, and just you know, per, per, uh, spitting out the data that you need it to spit out. You've done all that debug work. You know it functions, at least functions. But how do you know where the bottlenecks are in that, in that application? If it's a single lambda or multiple lambdas, how do you know where those bottlenecks live? Or you know, maybe uh, some data is being uh, shown and it's the wrong data. How do you figure out what's going on there? You know, you could have done some testing locally. There's, you know, SAM provides a local uh, execution area, serverless framework, and many others provide local uh, runtime areas. But in real life, how do, you how do you take a look at what's going on? Well, I mean, generally, I can take a look at metrics. I can look at, uh, you know, metric values on a simple dashboard, like the one that we get uh, in the AWS console. And here I'm looking at, uh, um, I was just doing some testing of, of, uh, of one of my lambdas I use. Um, and I can see some, you know, some information about invocations and duration. And that's pretty useful. I can also go into my logs uh, and take a look at the logs and figure out what's going on there. And that's pretty useful. But they don't provide all the information that I need. They don't really tell me the relationship of this function to other functions or this function to, maybe I'm using DynamoDB, or I'm using Kinesis, or I'm using S3, or I'm using whatever I'm using. They don't really, those things don't tell me enough about what else is going on and how are all those things related. Because I need a lot more than just logs and metrics to get a full view of my application. I need to have kind of the, the three pillars of observability. Now, we at, at Datadog, we talk a lot about three pillars of observability. And you, if you go to any one of our, a lot of our competitors on the, on the show floor, um, they also talk about three pillars of observability. I've heard talks from Twitter. I've heard talks from all sorts of people that talk about this. <coughs> and so what are those three pillars? First off is metrics. Metrics are amazing for, you know, when you look at a metric on a chart or a graph, they're great for spotting those trends and patterns. You can see, oh, the line kind of goes along like that, and then it spikes. OK, that's interesting. And it's really good for creating alerts. So if, uh, if you see that spike, trigger an alert that sends out an email or a page or whatever you uh, send out. Um, some platforms, like Datadog, but many others as well, do some anomaly detection on that as well. So if it kind of spikes every day at you know, 12, don't trigger an alert on that but only trigger an alert if it's something weird or something unexpected. So metrics are great for, these are things that you, you know you need to pay attention to, but you don't really know what the value is gonna be or when something bad's gonna happen. So they're great for catching those known unknowns. Logs, logs are also really useful. Logs are structured and easy to understand, regardless of whether you're a human being or some sort of machine. So logs, help you find all the details of the, the event. And ideally, you are um, creating logs and, and uh, pushing content to logs, and you're pushing a lot of stuff. You should, you know, there's a lot of room on, a, on a, a, a line in the logs for a lot of information. So use that space that you've got available. Um, that's something we recommend our customers doing. Put as much information as you can in those logs, because if you, if you, if you get to a point where you really need it, it's going to be amazing to have it all there. So logs are essentially great at finding all those unknown unknowns, things that you, you don't even know you needed to look for, but they're being recorded, and you can take a look at when something goes wrong. And the third pillar in these three pillars 
is traces. Traces are request-based. A request comes in, it hits a service, and that service calls another service, which calls another service, and eventually an answer gets back to the customer. It follows that activity through all these uh, places, and it helps you answer not just what happened, but where did it happen? Where in my code did it happen? How long did it take? It helps me understand the bottlenecks in my system. But how do I get traces in Lambda? You know, a lot of, there are a lot of APM vendors out there, and, and probably some of them require you to, you know, add a library, and, and as soon as you add a library, that adds bulk to your Lambda, and you really don't want to do that. You don't really want to have a lot of extra stuff in that Lambda, because that's just going to slow down launching that Lambda. Sure, there's the new layers, which definitely will make things better, but um, generally, you want to keep these uh, Lambdas as light as possible. Well, that's where the X-ray fit comes in. X-ray is this amazing technology that's been around for you know, a couple years, but I haven't really seen a lot of people take advantage, or I haven't seen a lot of blog posts or stuff online about X-ray yet. So how do you enable X-ray? It's pretty easy. You just go into the uh, uh, AWS Lambda console, and you choose that Enable Active Tracing um, checkbox, and that's it. Once that's done, you've enabled uh, tracing. Of course, that's not going to be the best possible experience with X-Ray, because you're going to want to go into your code and instrument your code a little bit. You can do this uh, little bit of monkey patching to, to make sure that the SDK knows about X-Ray. Um, and then any time you invoke another Lambda or call uh, Dynamo, it's, that's going to show up on your X-Ray trace as well. And so your X-ray trace ends up looking like something like this. Well, this is an X-ray trace that I collected uh, on one of our test lambdas uh, a few days ago. And I see that there's a, a lambda that actually invokes a few other lambdas. And we see where things happen in the, in the, the course of this one request. So I thought I'd do a little bit of a demo just showing you how to kind of set up um, uh, the X-ray and take a look at Take a look at some of the options for, you know, creating those three or filling in those three pillars of observability. So I'm going to switch over. Yes. So I've just logged into my Lambda console. And just one side note, whenever creating Lambdas, you should create Lambdas that have good names. Having bad names or names that don't make any sense, it's fine when you're testing. But then two months later or six months later, what is <laughs> I think I created that this morning because I was playing around with layers, and uh, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, so, uh, but the one I want is this other one that's, uh, it just flows off your tongue. AWS RI 2018 MDW Dev API. Oh, it just flows so beautifully. It's something memorable. Um, that, what that means, in case you're is, in case it's not obvious, it's AWS reInvent 2018, because that is the year. MDW, because, well, those are my initials, and I remember that stuff. Dev, because it's the dev stage. And uh, API, because that's actually the name of my, um, of my method. So I'm going to click on that. I'm going to click on that. And now I get my AWS Lambda console. OK, cool. And so I can scroll through here. And I want to go all the way down to the bottom and find, yep, there it is. So if I zoom in there, um, I can see Enable Active Tracing. By the way, in case anybody is, uh, whoa, how did you zoom in? There's magnifying built into the Mac it's, and in Windows as well, but look into your tools. OK, cool. So now, now that I've got that going, I can scroll back up. Oh, by the way, if anybody saw uh, my session last year or the year before, you would have remembered that I did everything in a pre-recorded video. Oh, no, that's, uh, that's too safe. I'm going live all the way here. Uh, so um, I want to go to find all my uh, metrics and logs and x-ray traces. So I'm clicking on monitoring. Yes, there we go. And um, I see a bunch of invocations. Uh, there happened to be a bunch of invocations just a short while ago. Uh, that's interesting. I see the duration of them uh, on, in average, uh, some errors, 
Um, looks like there were some errors pretty recently. Uh, there were no throttles, that's good, um, and some other metrics as well. But now I want to look at that second pillar, uh, logs. So I click on uh, logs in CloudWatch, and that shows me my different streams that are available. Yeah, and I could click on any one of these, and I'll see a subset of all the log messages, but not all of them. Let's show you there's quite a lot in here right now. But uh, not all of them, but I can, in case you're not familiar with this, you could always come back to search log group, and now you'll see all the log messages for that, and it just kind of scrolls through for a long, long time. Uh, so that's a nice thing to open up. Um, so there's my logs, and you know if I see, but they're, they're kind of in order, but also kind of not in order. And so here's a start, but I can't find all the other logs that deal with that Lambda. I could go to click on this stream to get more detail about that stream, but it's not as fluid as I'd like to, like to see. But I'm gonna come back to Lambda management and take a look at my traces in X-Ray. Um, I'll refresh that. Looks like I got about 628 traces from the last hour, which is awesome. And um, hey, Matt. Yes. I just got an alert about that. Y you did. Yes, I did. Yeah. That's a little odd. How many people are in this room? That I don't know. There's like 400, 300. Okay. I got one oh, of our. Alerts. I got 600 traces in the last yeah. hour. What's going on? I don't know. We'll we'll have to find that out about that a little bit later on. But um, don't derail me from my demo. Uh, I, I want to show you uh, some stuff here. I'm already disheveled now. Uh, I want to look at my traces. Now, I should let you know what this lambda is that I'm looking at. The lambda that I'm looking at is actually the lambda that you all executed for me just a few minutes ago. You just filled in a survey, a one-question survey, and as soon as you filled that in and pressed submit, that, sent, that triggered a lambda on the back end and, um, and it wrote some content into Dynamo, and then I'm reading all the votes out of Dynamo, and, I can, and that's what I'm seeing right here. I'm seeing, uh, actually I called, a, I invoked a second Lambda from my first one, which just pushed information into um, Dynamo, and the original Lambda was doing a scan, um, and it was collecting information out of Dynamo, but I see here it was already starting to pull data out before it pushed the latest vote in. So it's always gonna be a vote off. Is that important? I don't know, probably. Maybe I should fix it, but how would I have known that if I hadn't seen this x-ray trace? Well, I guess I could have added numbers, but uh, who wants to add? Um, so I'm going to, uh, so that's pretty interesting to see. Uh, there's some other interesting things when you look at the x-ray console. You can click on service map, and um, it's computing the map. Very exciting time. Okay, here we go, and we see the map. Uh, ooh, it looks like I've got some errors here. That's exciting. 57% errors. I got I got stuff to look at. Um, but I can see that uh, the lambda calls a lambda function, which calls uh, push tdb, and uh, and they're both of them are grabbing uh, grabbing data and pulling data out of DynamoDB. So that's pretty cool. Uh, what else did I want to show? I think that was pretty much it. Oh, was there? No. Okay. Um, I think that was pretty much it. So we're gonna troubleshoot that issue a little bit later, but um, for now, let's walk back out to the presentation, and I'll hand it off to Chris. Thanks, Matt. Cool, well, um, thank you, Matt. I think one of the things that's important to keep in mind with all of this valuable information, data, dashboards, insights, and everything, is really to come back to the highest level of thinking. And so what I wanted to do here is interject a little bit of a context uh, a philosophy around monitoring serverless and microservices. So with that in mind, there's really five things that we look at that we focus on. And at the very first point, it's looking at the high level end user experience. So, you know, you can, it just gives me the cobby wobbles sometimes when I look at all the data and I'm like, that's, that's overwhelming, but you know, you don't care about that. What you want to look at is you want to be informed when there is a problem and you don't want to worry about anything else that is really just gonna get in your way and bother you throughout the day that does not have a material impact on the end user and the customer or your application. And so you also wanna focus on those smart high-level thresholds and make sure that those are monitored and um, make life easy when you do get an incident to surface all that valuable information 
to the, to the agent who's responding or to the developer who's responding to the issue. And with that in mind, design your Lambda functions with fault in mind. There's always going to be network blips. There's going to be um, you know, outages, service problems. And so make sure that you have a prescribed action plan for when those things happen. On the very first point, starting with the end in mind, <clears throat> most commonly you're going to look at error rates, uh, things like latency. You know, what are the acceptable latencies? What is acceptable? You look at the 95th, 99th percentile of your end users. What is their experience? And those are important things to look at. But you want to really start as high level as possible, like I said earlier, to, to understand and not obsess with the metrics, the underlying metrics, until you need to. At Trek 10, one of the things that we actually, we spend more than half of our time on reducing noise, on looking at how do we stop alerting. Um, it's so easy, almost too easy, to create a new monitor. There's a new metric, a new dimension that's available in AWS, so you kind of get excited and you think, well, this will be awesome. I'll throw a new monitor on that, and I want to track that, and I'll be the first to know about it. But you know, your end user doesn't care about that. Um, no one really cares about it unless it really causes a problem to that user. And so <clears throat> focusing on that, uh, we, we actually go to a level, we have a, an internal fantasy game where if you create a monitor, you lose a point. Uh, if you actually delete a monitor, you get bonus points. And it's kind of a dangerous game, but it's, it's really not because there's a huge negative if you delete a monitor that could have been very useful for monitoring an outage. Um, but anyways, you know, it, it is a focus, and it's a, an area that is, I think, underserved in the community is, is looking at how do you reduce noise uh, in your environment. Tracking that end-to-end -end experience, there's plenty of tools that are out there, a lot of great tools. Datadog brings great tools. Uh, there's New Relic, there's X-Ray. Uh, Trek 10, we have our own uh, service that does this as well. So, you know, there's a lot of good options that are out there for this. Um, once you get those monitor, once you get those pieces monitoring, then it's a focus on your your alert levels and your smart alerting. And especially with a focus on Lambda, uh, it can be very easy to look at errors or duration. You know, when I first started monitoring Lambda and it came out, I was excited to monitor duration, but you quickly understand that that's fruitless. You know, there's just times where it's going to be a higher duration. Um, it's maybe more interesting to look at anomaly detection on duration. We're still looking at that potentially. I don't want to lose the fantasy point, though, by creating that monitor yet. Um, but there are things like uh, dead letter queues that AWS gives you the option to, to monitor and use with Lambda. I think many of you may know that have experienced Lambda that AWS automatically retries for as most asynchronously invoked Lambda invocations. And with those retries, you actually don't even care if there's an error or two. So at the very least, on those types of Lambda functions, you should not monitor anything less than three errors. Not worry about the blips. The function is going to retry, and your application is going to continue moving forward. There could be some additional latency overall. Um, but if you, if you really want to do it right, then the option is there to, if there are several errors, have it go to a, D, a dead letter queue that can send to an SQS queue, and then you reprocess that later. And then you only need to monitor that dead letter queue. And if that size is above a certain level, then that's really what you would want to monitor on. And that's just one metric, um, and it keeps that noise down. Another thing that we do is we're, we're a strong believer in pushing six, uh, custom metrics, either a custom event or a metric itself. So if we know that a job has to run every hour or every five minutes, then we'll push, you know, once it was successful, we'll make sure it was successful to get the response, and then push a, a simple one. And then we'll monitor using Datadog if there is either, if there's no data, then you know that that function stopped alerting. Um, another, t another thing that we'll do is push an event that is tagged with uh, the, the internal tool. We have a recurring ticket generator, and if one of the recurring tickets fails to generate, we, we put this inside of a try accept block and push an error message that keeps the rest of the function going, but now that we have an event in Datadog, we can monitor off of that event and create a ticket and then dive into it later. So just some of the tools that we use there. Um, better metrics, better logs. You know, Datadog does make this simple, and we rely on it. Uh, there's one of the simple tools there. You can put one line of code in a Lambda function, and Datadog scoops that right in and creates a metric. So if you, if you haven't done it, it's just even kind of fun, fun to play around with it. But uh, if you're experimenting with it, it's an easy way to, without even using an API to just use the log, the print command, to be able to get metrics straight into Datadog. 
there's also, of course, the good faceted CloudWatch logs that are very searchable, uh, fast, and easy to, um, to look in aggregate across uh, all sorts of Lambda functions. And then uh, Datadog also does a really good job for us in terms of when there is a problem, we will have a, a dashboard link almost every single alert that's generated. We go back to the dashboard that has the underlying metric that caused, the, caused that alert. And those dashboards are built very generically, so they'll be across every single, in this case, this is across every single 100 URLs that we're monitoring in five different regions. And it just looks like chaos if you just go to the dashboard by itself. But when an alert triggers, it's tagged appropriately, and so you know exactly which URL had the issue. And then you can look, and this is, the different colors here are different regions. So we have a, a ping going from every a number of different regions to that URL. And so when the agent sees this dashboard link, it's, it's dynamically created with the tags that came in with the Datadog alert, and we get a URL uh, that is got the query focused straight on that, straight on that uh, URL that we were monitoring that was causing a problem. And uh, lastly, uh, within those, the, kind of the better data, you do get good dashboards. And I just wanted to put this up there because I was so excited when uh, about a month and a half ago, AWS announced that they had increased the maximum lambda duration from five minutes to 15 minutes. I was really trying to put off. This function kept erring, kept erring. And it, you know, as we grew, it was just poor, poor code for scaling. Uh, just a small little subsystem that wasn't that important. And I was so relieved when they raised the duration to 15 minutes. And you can see here, as the invocations and errors drop off, the retries stopped, and all that, all that little function needed was another 30 seconds, and it was going to be fine. So as you can see in the upper right, you see those. It's, it's living happily at about five to six minutes uh, in invocation time. Moving on to what happens when there is a failure. You know, the, the exciting thing with AWS and with the cloud is that you you can, there's so many options now to build super high availability. And so as you design your applications, you look into how can you uh, make sure that, and plan for failures, plan for the Lambda to fail, plan for other services to fail in given regions. Um, you plan for all of that. You, you do want to match your investment strategy against the risk and the probability that something is going to happen, so you can go crazy um, and then, and then over-invest. As long as you're making that smart decision about what is an important, uh, what is an important architecture for the need that's that's being addressed here, um, but you also want to make sure that once you've got that put in place, when there is a failure and one of your monitors is going to alert, hopefully pick that up. If you've done a good job there, then you have a runbook and an action plan. And I think that that term is is kind of thrown around, runbooks, playbooks, whatever you want to call them. Um, really, it just means that you have a very clear written out step and, or series of steps that an, any uh, reasonably trained agent, knowledgeable AWS person could follow the steps and take action. And so that's one of the things that we focus on. It's very detailed. It could be uh, seven lines of, of Linux commands that say you need to run this if this failure happens. Of course, if it continues to happen, you look to automate, and those are uh, easy things to do um, with very little effort. But you also want to surface all that information to that agent. Make sure that you've got dashboards, that you've got the logs, the traces. And in, a, in this case, one of the things we found most valuable is we updated our ticketing system to pull the latest uh, incidents for the same exact issue. And so you can see in the bottom right, we have previous tickets. So you can click in there and see what happened the last time this happened. How often has this been happening? Is this an area, an opportunity we have to reduce noise? because this keeps alerting and it just resolves itself and no one is really bothered to care that much about it. So just some of the different tools that we use in our runbooks and in our um, surfacing of that really important context when an incident does happen. And yeah, I'll just uh, mirror what uh, Matt said earlier about the logs, you know, spit out everything that you can. It's really valuable. Um, I will mention that if you haven't played with Datadog logs, I'd highly recommend you give it a try. There's a lot of good log aggregators out there um, I've used a lot of different ones, played with different ones. And the sampling is great. You can actually, with Datadog, completely turn down your costs with your ingestion or your indexing of logs uh, on just like a slide bar, just in, in one real-time action in the UI with the Datadog app. 
you can take your Datadog log cost, you know, down to almost, uh, you know, you can sample at 1%, 5%, 10%, 20%. Uh, you can also filter based on specific, just only the errors, things like that. It's very valuable. So, um, so there's really a, a big opportunity to improve, improve your, uh, keep your costs low, but, but log what's important. Um, and one other thing that, that is really exciting right now is, is thinking about how you can aggregate the logs across the trace outside of even the Lambda ecosphere. And I know there's companies uh, that are trying to address this right now, and, and it's an area where I think as, the, as we evolve, I'm excited to see how this space continues to grow. And with okay. that, I'll turn it back over to Matt. So I just want to talk a little bit about, thanks. I want to yeah. talk about Datadog for serverless. So Datadog, just a couple weeks ago, we put out an announcement saying we've got Datadog for serverless. Now, when I first heard that, saw the, the title, I thought, okay, well, we've, we've had Datadog for serverless for a couple years. I mean, we have been collecting metrics about your, uh, your lambdas for the last uh, couple years now. We've, if you um, write to the CloudWatch logs, you know, console log or print in, uh, in Python um, with a specific string, monitoring pipe, time since Unix epoch pipe, uh, I think the value and what kind you, of metric it is and, and a few other things. We're going to scan through that um, every couple of minutes and turn all of those log, uh, log lines into metrics um, right away. That gets a little bit better, well, that gets a lot better with the layer support where we'll be able to um, uh, post much faster, uh, post those custom metrics much faster. Um, but uh, Datadog for serverless, talks about not only that, but also better support, I mean, support for X-Ray. Uh, all of your X-Ray uh, traces and from your lambdas are now brought into Datadog. And so really makes lambdas a first-class citizen in the Datadog environment. A lot of great exploration capabilities and, and again, tracing, bringing tracing into Datadog. So I'll just switch over to a demo where we'll look at some of these things. And um, first off, I've got on the screen uh, one of the uh, pages from the AWS docs that just talks about patching libraries to instrument downstream calls. Here's how you can, um, there's a similar uh, document under the Node.js uh, document area, as well as Go and Java, about how you can um, do that patching so that every call to invoke another Lambda or call to Dynamo or call to whatever else um, shows up in your X-ray trace. It's pretty easy. It's like a couple lines of code in all the languages and you get a lot of support right there. So just do a, take a look in the X-ray documentation developer guide um, and then uh, working with your favorite language, there's this patching libraries section. Um, so you all filled in the survey that looked kind of like this. Um, and uh, so now I can go in and take a look at the Datadog environment. And I want to go over to the new Cloud Functions. And in Cloud Functions, I see uh, kind of a high level of those same metrics, invocations, uh, errors, and duration. And below that are all the lambdas within our environment on our demo account, um, including my AWS RI 2018 MDW Dev R API, which I'm sure you all remembered because again it just rolls off the tongue. Um, but um, what you know, let's pretend that I didn't see that right there. Um, I could you know come over on the left side and say I just want to show all the lambdas that are in US West one, which this one happens to be. So I could do that, and now I see just uh, that and all of my uh, uh, learning center uh, assessors. But I can also group, you know, uh, filter down by runtime or by stage or team that did the uh, build or all sorts of things that, that we can filter down by. But I want to go take a look at that, uh, that one lambda. And I see um, some invocation, uh, the metrics at a high level for this one lambda. I see invocations, errors, and duration. And I see that actually some of the um, lambdas that were running invoked in the last, well, 20 minutes or so actually took a long time, a lot longer than they normally did, a lot longer than they ever did in testing. Um, and I think, um, I, as I, I've realized, I've probably set my you know, number of reads and writes from Dynamo to a much too low number. 
Um, so I can tell right away that that's some of the problems, some of the reasons why some of these are taking a long time. But I can kind of scroll through. I'm just going to click on one of these uh, traces, and I can see the trace for this lambda, just like I saw in X-ray on the X-ray console. So all of this with, is in the same environment. If you're, if you happen to be a Datadog customer, in the same environment that with all your other stuff, um, and I can kind of hover over and get uh, more detail about everything that's going on here. Okay, so that's interesting. But what's really great is. You know, I have all that information for X-ray uh, traces and metrics, but I also have all the logs here as well. So I can look at all the logs that are relevant to this particular Lambda all in one place. Now, if I think about you know, how I built out my Lambdas for you know, the Step Functions demo last year, I had to look at all these different buckets for uh, my Lambdas to figure out how, what was going on, why were there certain problems happening. And right now, I'm just looking at one Lambda, but I can also, you know, if I click on any one of these, I'll click on this one, and it switches us over to the Log Explorer, already filtered down to just um, this particular Lambda and actually that, uh, that log message. But I could maybe get rid of one of the filters here uh, for just this one Lambda to just look at all Lambdas that are coming through. And actually, let's look at all logs in general coming through. So 523,000 lines in the logs in uh, about 60 minutes. Actually, let's set that to live. So we're uh, bringing in all this uh, data. It shows 520,000. 520, OK, cool. So now I can you know, kind of sift through these logs um, looking for those good, juicy bits of information. But it's much easier just to click on patterns where it distills all those log lines down to, you know, there's 262 messages that all say generally the same thing with a unique time date stamp, a unique sleep value, a unique whatever that thing is, um, and a few other unique values. And everything else is the same. So now I can start looking for those really big problems, like this FSE auto process has 97 errors, and uh, maybe some others are really interesting. So that's kind of cool, that, that's, that I can uh, start slicing and dicing, looking through all my logs, looking for interesting bits <coughs> of information. But um, you know, another thing that I think, Chris, you talked about custom metrics. So we can also, you know, and, and I talked a little bit about custom metrics before. Bef the way we always did custom metrics was you write a line to the logs that say monitoring pipe and then all the other stuff. So, I actually did that with all of those lambdas. So every time you vote yes or no, it was writing a custom metric. And um, so I take a look in the uh, dashboards, and I created this one little dashboard for, um, uh, oh, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good number. Um, so I created uh, this dashboard, and it's showing me in the last hour, huh, there's more, uh, five, yeah, okay, we kind of talked about this. There's, 752 people or 742 people answer either yes or no. So some of that data might be um, who's the Yahoo who bogus. Just pushing the button. Somebody, <laughs> somebody is really excited about this uh, about this lambda uh, about this uh, question. So um, okay, so that's interesting. So one thing that we can do, I so that's pretty cool that I'm pulling out these custom metrics and I create a dashboard. You can create these dashboards to show anything you like. This is in fact. There is one dashboard in the office uh, every year about the seven days of France. Is that? I think that's what it's called. There's this race in France where they run just for like seven days. And that's like, the, and you think, oh, well, France is a beautiful country, right? So they're going to see some beautiful things. No, they're running around like a parking lot for seven days nonstop. I can't see how this is interesting. But one of our guys uh, in, the, in the New York office um, does this and always wins by like uh, several hundred kilometers ahead of the second place person. Um, and so we have a dashboard just focused on, on him, how many laps he's done, and uh, watching the finish, the, the crossing over line. And uh, it's so some dashboards are more exciting than others. Um, <laughs> But I'm going to take a look at my monitor status. So I actually created a monitor. And this is how Chris actually got a, a warning or an alert saying, we have a lot more invocations than actual valid votes. Um, and so I can see that in the history here, things are good right now. But there was a period where we had a lot of votes coming in, which was, I think, all of you. Um, but a lot of votes, that, a lot more than we expected. Um, so we can see that here. And we can actually see the message that got sent out. 
that basically said, um, oh no, someone's hacking the system. Number of implications is bigger than valid votes in your session at reInvent. Matt, you idiot, you didn't check the input. So I can check the inputs and fix that. Um, so anyway, so that's uh, monitors and... Um, did, you, did you put authentication behind your API gateway? I, I, I could probably do that. I think that's probably what we should do. We're not going to do that in front of you because that would be kind of boring. But we could do something to uh, uh, stop all those, that bad person, whoever that bad person was. I think it's him just testing me. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about you know, uh, working with Lambda um, and some of the new features that we've got here. So at this point, we're going to swap back over to the presentation and hand it over to... I think we're close to the end here. Yeah. Of everything. Of everything. At reInvent. Um, cool. Well, appreciate your attention here. You know, I think we just wanted to kind of bring things to a close with some of the things that we talked about as a general high level. Uh, Matt went over a ton of really cool features that Datadog offers that AWS provides. I strongly recommend that you reach out to, to Matt or myself if you have any follow-up questions here. Um, <clears throat> this is something that we're passionate about. So, you know, measure what matters. Measure the high-level stuff, the metrics that really matter to you, your end customers, or the application. Uh, focus on those key metrics and design. Make sure that those are available for you when there is an incident. Have them uh, surfaced. You know, that's where Datadog can really come in very, really valuably uh, to bring that all together into one pane or a ticketing system uh, that pulls everything together that you get previous incidents all recorded into one, uh, one note so that the, the agent or the response is, is quick and easy. And then you have that prescribed action plan. Um, always have the plan when the runbook doesn't work. When you get to the end and, and there's nothing, it's still a problem, how do you escalate? <clears throat> how do you escalate from there? Even if that involves saying a Hail Mary, it's at least you've got something in plan, in place. And uh, last of all, I think you guys should all enjoy the rest of your Yeah, how many day. of you have uh, not attended reInvent before or not attended the Thursday night party? Not attended before? Oh my god, the party, okay. The, the, this party is, it's unlike anything you've ever seen. I, I mean, I think it's in a different, is it different location this year, I think? Um, and, and I mean, last year there were like three football fields covered in like these massive tents and they had this live music. And even if you hate EDM and you find it super annoying, even if that's the case, it's spectacular. It is so cool to watch, at least for a few minutes. So go. You've got to go. You've got to see it. You've got to watch it. It is. And then you've got the video games, and you've got the life-size hungry, life hungry, hungry hippos, and you've got all you can drink and all you can eat. Okay, sometimes the food's not. Okay, the food's probably, it's mostly good. Uh, but the drinks are great, and the video games are awesome, and the music is a lot of fun. And it's amazing watching all these uh, complete geeks uh, you're watching this music and trying to dance. And it's, it's, it's kind of fun to watch them, watch them fumble around. Um, and a few people can. So, uh, so go. You got to go to that thing. You, you thought you saw Matt passionate earlier, but you really didn't. The, oh, the party is awesome. So. I, I looked, you know, the, the, this is my fifth reInvent. The first one I went to, I, I'm not a big fan of Skrillex, but it was Skrillex, and oh my, it was spectacular. It was amazing. It was one of the, oh, yeah. All right, Go. so I'll cut him off here. Okay. <laughs> All right, um, but I will say thank you very much, and appreciate your time today, and have safe travels back, everyone. And we do have a few minutes for questions, if you guys yeah. uh, any, Anybody any have questions? questions? Yeah, so. You, will, you might get a really cool gift if you ask a question. So ask a question at the mics. I saw a question. Go stand at the mics and I ask saw, the question. Uh, hand over here. So run to the mics, ask a question. Yes. So how much historical data can we go back and pull? Historical data? Yes. Oh, how long do we keep the data? Yeah. For, um, for APM and logs, it depends on the level of service that you're getting. For infrastructure metrics, uh, we keep all the data at one second granularity for 15 months. Okay. Um, so the logs, it, it depends on how much you want to pay. But okay. we're going to keep it for at least uh, one to two weeks. Um, and uh, yeah. And Jason is going to bring you over a t shirt. 
And the logs, the logs are. I have another question. <laughs> the logs are. You don't want a T-shirt? <laughs> oh, I will take okay. it. The, the logs are stored in in S three, and I, I've heard that Datadog is working on some additional ability to retrieve longer term beyond just the yeah. immediately available. Yep. So. Thank you. Another question: cool. How is the costing model for this? Like, depends upon Cheap. traces. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it depends on uh, depends on what you're getting for. Uh, just the uh, standard infrastructure metrics, I think it starts at $15 a month. For 8 p.m., we move up to about 27 or 28. I'm not a pricing guy, but somewhere in that area per month. And uh, for logs. Per host, uh, right? Oh, per host. Per, oh, yeah, so that was $15 per host per month. Yeah, yeah not $15 per month. That would be, okay. we'd go out of business. Um, <laughs> and then logs is $1.27 per million lines captured per month. In the logs. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Got a question over there. I think we go back and forth. Yeah. yeah. So uh, heads up, it's a cruel question. Yeah. So you uh, you're suggesting to put some log and collect metrics out of that, uh, which I think it's very ugly to do something like that. Instead, I can put something on uh, CloudWatch. CloudWatch has uh, custom metrics that I can use, and I can actually pull it to Datadog. So what's the benefit of uh, why should I do? Uh, that, the same thing that you're suggesting. I know it's not something new, because uh, actually two years ago, I was at a Datadog presentation. I think it was you. OK. Which, yeah. yeah. I've done a lot. That, that thing was uh, suggested. So I was expecting something uh, different, maybe. So question one, why should I use that method? I mean, logging something. And the reason that I'm saying it's not that good to, for obvious reason, add noise to the logs and more clutter for something which is not a log. So why should I do that? And second, do you have any plans to do uh, some maybe other methods of supporting custom metrics? Hmm. So the question was about supporting custom, oh, uh, well, the last part of the question was supporting a better way of uh, doing custom metrics. But the first part was, why should you pollute the logs with those custom metric values? Well, I use was... uh, your recommended way instead yep. of uh, using uh, CloudWatch custom metrics. Yep. Yeah. OK. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the why to do, I mean, if you want to collect custom metrics, why should you write those metrics to the logs? Because that's the way we do it. You could, you could, you could have always um, uh, loaded up one of the libraries or, or just uh, send uh, values, uh, raw values, directly to Datadog. Um, if you I get. Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah, and I've I've just found that the custom metrics in Datadog are actually a little bit easier to manage. The dashboarding, the monitoring is at a, a easy. There's much more features there that do provide value. So we find that it's worth it to to actually push the metrics into Datadog. At times, there may be some cases where it makes sense to just push straight to the AWS uh, custom metrics and then alert off of that. Uh, it can be very simple and efficient. But I think is, uh, the same metrics could be pulled to Datadog, so you can still see the CloudWatch custom metrics into your Datadog dashboard. Yes, this so is true. Everything yes. can. I've used that, and uh, yeah, no, that's yeah. that's perfectly fine. Absolutely, yeah. But for will we have another way? Absolutely, that is uh, one of the things that we're um, we should have pretty soon. Well, I don't know what the time frame is, but at some point soon, uh, and that, with using layers. Uh, the Lambda layers. So the thing that was announced this morning. Okay. Yep. Thank you. T-shirt time. Next. Okay, so he kind of stole my question. My question was, um, what, um, how, before layers, um, was logs the only way you collected uh, custom metrics from Lambdas? And um, how, how, how did you do that? And how are you going to do it with layers? Yeah, so what is the uh, how are we going to do it with layers? I have no idea, okay. but uh, somebody inside the company has been working on this for a little while, and and they they know. But I don't. I I learned about layers this morning, um, and uh, Data, um, Datadog also has a really easy API, so you can you can push metrics without just through the logs. Um, you can just push a custom metric straight into. Oh, what yeah. about for lambdas? Yeah, like custom metrics with. Yeah, so lambdas? if you write that you know that long line monitoring pipe and so forth. We're going to parse through those uh, CloudWatch logs in your account to find all those lines that have that pattern and turn those into metrics. Got it. Thank yep. you. Okay. Cool. Did you get your T-shirt? <laughs> Excellent. 
Jason is running back and forth. He's great. Yes. Uh, so so the, the logging pattern, is that just for Lambda, or is it any application logging that we're going to feed through? Can, do we just pipe to that pattern? Uh, so for that, that uh, piping that particular pattern to CloudWatch logs, that's just for Lambda. OK, just for Lambda. Yeah. OK, so. Yeah, but Sorry, but, but there is an API. You can just you can for any function that you run or any EC2, you can just use a simple API. It's four lines or five lines, you know, with a simple API key. Okay. To push yeah. So, so that, that came off. Of so then, uh, so the pricing for Lambda logging. I, I mean, right now we're paying for EC2 instances and yeah. we're paying for hosts. So as we're incentivized to shift over to Lambda, we're we're trying to reduce EC2 costs as well. Right. Are, are we just paying for log ingestion with, with uh, Lambda logging at this point, or are you changing that, or what are we, what are we looking for? The what pricing for Lambda metrics uh, all, you know, and X-ray and all that inside of the Datadog product is being worked on right now. Okay. And uh, so for now, we're not charging on, or uh, yeah, we're, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so expect changes in that then in the coming in the coming months, it, weeks. It will probably there will probably be pricing soon. Okay. All right. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> uh, now, uh, over here. So this is going to be cruel again. Um, the Yahoo of uh, those spikes uh, of the spikes that you you got when everybody was answering the um, the survey. Is because the button does not give any feedback on this. Yep. Oh, was it? Yes. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> Interesting. The, the question is coming. Okay. Right? This is not just a, to put you on the spot. When you showed the, us a real-time log of, uh, of Lambda running uh -huh. graph, yep. um, it showed that it ran pretty fast. It takes on the phone, it takes for the graph to appear a couple yes. of seconds. Yeah. There is no response. Yeah. That's why everybody clicking yeah. on it. Sure. More uh, where, where is the issue? If it takes the Lambda ran in under a second, it took maybe like a good 15 to 30 seconds for the yep. graph to appear. Where was that? Um, what did we miss on the screen? That uh, Yeah, and that would be something that I would definitely troubleshoot uh, and take a look at the log, take a look at X-ray in a little bit more detail, take a look at the logs uh, without uh, 400 people looking at me. So <laughs> that I, I, I'm, I'm sure I, I'm looking forward to taking a look because um, uh, there weren't, uh, it's crazy, but uh, 600 people were not in my hotel room this morning, uh, so I couldn't <laughs> validate that. Uh, but I will check it out uh, this afternoon. Uh, that, so, but thank you. I mean, I have maybe one idea. You're saying why weren't the invocations showing up in the dra graph or something? No, the time it took. So the invocation for, for Lambda that we saw on the, on the X-ray, I think, was very, very quick. Yeah. Yep. But the response time was very slow. Yeah. Got it. So okay. something was missing in the graph. Um, some of the, well, the one x-ray that I looked at was one of the really short ones. Mm -hmm. There were some longer x-ray graphs, uh, traces, that I didn't look at on screen in front of all of you, because they le look less cool. <laughs> okay. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Sorry. Yes? I'll keep it easy. Is there any difference between just executing a regular Lambda for what you're doing and uh, Lambda at Edge? Hmm. Lambda Edge versus Lambda. Um, I don't know. Anyone in the room? Does an expert want to answer that one? Because I'm not. Because I don't know. What is there a difference between? Yeah. So what how, is? So how well, you're talking about monitoring the way we go through, we, we pass the trace through. Is there a differentiator between Lambda at Edge and? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't tried. I haven't seen what it's going to how what's how is going to be different in X-ray uh, with Edge versus not Edge. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right. Yeah, it should, I think it should yeah. be the same as maybe the best yeah. answer so far. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yes. Hey, uh, so uh, in my team currently I use two different tools, one for log aggregation and one for performance management. Yep. Uh, Sumo Logic and Neuralic respectively. Yep. Um, can Datadog do both of them? Uh, yeah, so Datadog does the log aggregation as well as APM. Is it, was that the question? Or can it do both? Yeah. 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 And, and one nice thing when you have both that and infrastructure metrics all together in one, sure. you know, I can go over to, um, uh, in, when I'm looking at APM trace, I can uh, click somewhere and I can uh, uh, show all the logs that okay. are relevant. Uh, to, in fact, actually, when I click on a trace, um, there's a, a section below that shows details. 
and one of the tabs on those details is logs, and okay. it shows all the logs that are relevant. And as I hover down on any one log, uh -huh. I see the line of where that log line appears or happened on the trace. And so having those in two different areas, I wouldn't be able to, or two different products, I wouldn't have that. True. I mean, it's like magic seeing that. It's like, oh, that's what's happening. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, cool. it's very, Thanks. very similar setup. The APM for Datadog and, and logging is uh, fairly straightforward too. So recommend giving them a try. Sure. That yeah. said, we have great integrations that are uh, always are getting updated for you know for our customers who are using Sumo Logic or Splunk or uh, New Relic or App Dynamics or all these other tools. We have integrations that bring that you know summary data into Datadog because there's no, I mean there's a lot of customers who don't want to leave whatever, you know, other platforms, and we work really well with all of them. Oh, so you guys can aggregate logs yeah. from Sumo Logic? We, we usually, with Sumo Logic, it's, or Sumo Logic and uh, Splunk and some others, you can um, generate a report um, and kind of generate some summary values out of those uh, logs, okay. and then we can ingest those. Awesome, cool, yeah. thank you so much. Yep. Cool. Um, yes, sir. So if you have a, uh, a microservice that's not, as opposed to a managed AWS service, and you call out from your Lambda to that service, that microservice, um, say that microservice is also integrated with Datadog, um, would the trace propagate from the Lambda? Like, would you get one trace for that? Yeah. Across all the... So, not so yet. <laughs> not soon. <laughs> yes. There's, that's definitely, when I, when I mentioned that about like that's an opportunity, the aggregation, like you, you don't unfortunately right now get, if you have API, even API Gateway, like the logs of API Gateway, not tied to the logs in one view with, uh, with Lambda. You know, that's, that's an area where I believe AWS is going to continue to bring uh, some solutions to place. There's other third parties. I just met with uh, uh, Epsigon, who's working on a really neat solution. Um, and I know Datadog is also working on it, but right now it's not, it's still not perfect, you know. Um, yes, and, but so you, there does, it's not easy, you know, there's some work that and needs to be done. One of the other annoying areas for me personally is not having, uh, you know, if I have a step function that calls many lambdas, I can't see that series of lambdas in one trace, although I tried many, many times to try to get around that problem. Yeah. I, I just can't. And, and X-ray is just like, you know, you can write, you can put your own, you know, um, you can integrate it into your, your code. It's, it could be in anything. So you can, you can aggregate it yourself if you orchestrate that. But yeah. uh, no, it's, that's not easy and, and, and automatic. Yeah. Yep. Right. Thanks. Man, Jason is uh, getting his uh, steps in today. <laughs> Cool. Hi, so uh, already a Datadog customer, but some sort of similar question, but more to do with distribution of invo invoking lambdas via like SQS queues and trying to trace. Let's, let's say you've got a process that, uh, or a lambda that uh, injects like four events into to four different SQS queues, but to your point, it's tracking, you know, it's a single user event, and we mm -hmm. want to trace like the performance across that before it actually replies back to the user. Is What's your recommendation for for that sort of stuff? Uh, it, frankly, there's, there's no good recommendations. It may be, um, at least that I know of. I mean, I think we should, I'd like to come back and do a little bit more research. I, I mentioned there's several groups out there. Um, take a look at Epsigon, because they're, they're trying to solve that problem right now. Right. Um, but Are you using OpenTrace for something like that, or? They're using, a, uh, I think, a patented you know, process right. okay. to, try to, to try to connect Link all those dots automatically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, thanks. Yeah. Yes, so uh, the company I work for finally made the wise decision to go with Datadog for metrics. Great. Uh, unfortunately, they opted out of logs because we already have Splunk. Sure. Um, <laughs> and that's fine, I guess. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the question really is, uh, so your hint, uh, you keep saying that you use the, the log traces to uh, send out custom metrics. You can obviously do that through the Datadog API uh, directly towards it. But uh, my question really is this going, us not uh, ingesting logs into Datadog, yeah. is this going to cripple us in other ways that there's other things that you're hooking into to kind of detect what's going on? Uh, and that will that like impact uh, the information besides yeah. logs? I mean, the, the, 
Splunk integration, which has existed for a long time. We've been uh, long before we had any sort of logs in Datadog. A lot of a, a lot of our customers brought in logs from Splunk, um, and uh, but that integration is just about. Um, you create that report that creates those summary metrics, and those come into Datadog. Yeah. Um, but now that we have this log aggregation tool set inside of Datadog, we can do some also sorts of really amazing things. When we, um, you know, if you, uh, click, you command click or right click on a um, uh, a line in a dashboard, and it goes right to the logs. We can't do that if it's uh, uh, logs on a different platform. No, I, I but, totally understand yeah. that, but I'm but just it, thinking like. I th you know, one of the, what we've done a lot when we use a third-party service is, I mean, Datadog does provide, does give you the easy ability to, to put whatever linkage in when there is an incident. So mm. it may not be in the same pane and an automatic, you can actually make that an automatic click if you have a saved query that you know when this incident goes off, that here's my, you know, Splunk, you know, dashboard or Sumo Logic query saved. And so you can make it very, still very convenient to operate mm. that way. I was just wondering if there's any like hidden, like um, l specific logs that you're looking for to actually generate some of the metrics uh, that would uh, help, like build the traces and stuff like that. That's kind of what I was mm. getting at. Okay. Uh, no. I don't okay. know. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks. Well, looks like are we down to the last shirt? Sweet. Oh, man. <laughs> well, we can still answer questions, though. Or are we getting kicked out of the room? Yeah. We are. Who else is coming? Well, is somebody speaking at 530? No, but we do have to clear the room and set it for tomorrow. Oh, uh, OK. And, you know, crew and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want us to okay. leave. All right. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you so much.